Thank you all very much. I am um, extremely excited to share with you tonight. And let me turn this off because this is going to ring all night long. All right. Are you good? Are you good tonight? I know middle of the week, but I'm happy you came out. I'm happy you're in the house of God. Is there is there a better place to be? I don't think there. I don't think there is. So, anyways, if you if you are visiting with us, we sure do appreciate you coming out, and uh, you are welcome in this place. And we just uh, we take it a, a great honor that you would you would come and that you would share and join with us during our our conference time together. And so um, we hope you that you enjoy yourself. We hope that that God imparts. Um, straight into your soul, straight into your spirit this weekend, amen. Because how many of you know that it's really, really good to receive some information, but it's even better when you receive impartation, amen. Like it's so much better to receive impartation from the Holy Spirit. Information is good, but impartation is just a little bit better. So I encourage you, when you come to the house of God, come expectant. If you've heard me speak before, you, you know I always say it. I say come expectant to the house of God. Come expecting God to do something in your life. Amen. Come expecting him to do something because when you come to the house of God and you come full of faith, he's going to move on that faith. He's going to move on that faith and he is going to he's going to come and he's going to aid and he's going to help and he's going to encourage and lift up. And that's what our God does and it's just an amazing thing when we come to the house of God expectant. And God moves for an expectant people. Amen. Don't come to church with that, you know, kind of like slouch here I, you know, here I am, entertain me. You know, make, make me smile kind of attitude. I hate that. I despise that. Come to church full of faith. Full of faith, amen. If you're full of faith, say amen. 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 It's going to be easy. The more full of faith you are, if I can get some response, I'm going to preach a whole lot better. So I'm going to need, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to hear some. Amen. Amen. Well, let's just bow our heads and pray before we get started in the night. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for this time together, God. We thank you that you are sincerely here in the midst of your people, Lord, and that you are going to speak to the hearts of people tonight. You're going to speak to your followers, Lord, and you're going to speak to the people who don't even know you yet, God. And I just pray that tonight's going to be a powerful night. We come, we're expecting to hear from your word. We're expecting for your Holy Spirit to do some things, to stir some hearts. And so now in this time, in this place, God, we just give it all to you. Your word says that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word stands forever. And so right now, tonight, God, let it stand in our hearts. Let it be sealed and let us be encouraged as we leave this place. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, if you got your, if you got your word with you tonight, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We're going to be starting in the Old Testament tonight. No better place. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1. And obviously, you know, tonight we're, uh, you know, the conference is called Recalibrate. And so tonight, you know, we're kind of focusing in on recalibrating the next generation, getting our youth on fire for Jesus Christ, for the cause of Christ. And so that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. We're going to be looking at some things, um, you know, in order, what we need to do in order to see the next generation recalibrated, set on fire, going full guns for Jesus. Amen. So here we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember now your Creator in the days of your what? In the days of your youth. You see, before we get into some points tonight about what it's going to take to start a revolution, to recalibrate the next generation, we need to real quick address some mindsets that have set themselves up in the youth of this generation. Some mindsets that have set themselves up in our youth. You see, we live in a time period where the next generation is thinking, well, you know what? Like, you know, I know God's out there, but you know, I'm just going to party for a few years. Man, it's cool. Like, I'm just going to have some fun 
you know, you're only young once, right? You know, I'm just going to go out with my friends, you know. You know, drugs, you know, I might get into it, nothing heavy, but I'm just going to, I'm going to experience some things. I'm going to spread my wings. I'm going to fly a little bit. And then, you know, once I settle down, maybe I get married, have some kids. Yeah, I'll get back into the church thing. No problem. We'll go to church, you know. We'll, we'll get back into it in a few years. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. That is a wrong mindset that has set itself up in the youth of our generation. It's a stupid mindset. The word says, remember now your creator in the days of your what? In the days of your youth. Why? Because when we build ourselves at a young age around the word of God, by the time we settle down and get married, we are at a place now for God to take us into our destiny. We are now at a place for God to take us into our destiny. That growth process makes us stronger, it makes us wiser, and it makes us more able. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, write down the word able. The growth process makes you more able. I love that word able. I love it. You know, when I was 12 years old, you know, 12 year old boy, you know, my, maybe my mom's in the kitchen and she's cooking or whatever, and maybe she needs some milk for a certain recipe that, that she's gonna have, and, you know, excuse me, and you know what? She's not gonna say, Clay, you know, at 12 years old, here, here's the keys, go grab some milk from the grocery store. She's not gonna do that. Why is she not gonna do that? Because I am not able. I'm not able to accomplish that thing for which she was going to put in my hand. I'm not able to do it. So she would ask my father because he is able. He is able to do that. Why? I, did, I didn't understand the rules of the road. I couldn't even reach the pedals. You know, my senses were not keen enough to be aware of my surroundings while driving. But my father, who was older and wiser, could because he was able. Such a simple you know, example, but he was able, you see, young person, even if God lets you have your fun, even if he let you have all the fun in the world for a few years and be away from him, and then you decided, you know what, I'm going to come back to the Lord, I'm going to walk into my destiny, he cannot release that thing to you because you are not able. You are not able. He, even if he wanted to, even if in his grace and in his mercy, he wanted to give it to you, he cannot because you are not able. That's why parents don't give keys to their 12-year-old kids. It would destroy them. For God to release a destiny to you when you are not able, it will destroy you. It will absolutely destroy you. You see, we're watching a generation grow up before our very eyes who will one day be unable to walk into all that God has planned for their life. They will be unable unless they remember now their creator in the days of their youth. Remember now your creator and you will be able. Are you hearing me, young person? Are you hearing me, guys? Parents, are you hearing me? Because you know what, mom and dad, if your young person is having a hard time remembering now their creator in the days of their youth, guess whose responsibility it is to remind them? It is your responsibility to kindly, gently remind your young person about who their creator is. You know, growing up, you know, I think it's really funny, you know, growing up for myself... I never got to decide whether I wanted to go to church. I always thought that was so cruel that I did not have um, any say in the decision-making process that took place on Sunday morning as to whether I was going to go to church. But I did not have any say. I never got to decide whether I wanted to go to youth. There was none of this, I'm, I'm sick, I can't go. There was none of this, man, if you couldn't see blood, I was going. If you couldn't see blood, I was in the car and I was going. It didn't even matter if I took time to get dressed. They would have drugged me along in my pajamas. I was going to church. I was going to church. You know, why not be in church? Get your healing while you're there. You know? I don't want to... 
And I don't want to hear this. I'm sick stuff. Baby, we're going to church and you can get healed while we're there today. Amen. Amen. Parents, it's time that in a generation that's growing up today, parents, be the parents. Parents, be the parents. Come Sunday morning and little Johnny says, Mom, you know, I got a science project due tomorrow and, and I haven't started and, uh, and can I stay home and do that? Tough. Tough. Um, nope. I guess you're going to be pulling an all-nighter tonight. You should have thought about that Saturday when you were hanging out with your friends. But you know what? We live in this generation where parents want to be cool. Parents want to be cool. Parents want to be best friends, you know? Parents want to have, because you know what? Maybe their parents were strict and they're just like, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be cool, man. My kid's going to love me. We're going to hang out. We're going to go to the mall. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. And, 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 we've, and you know what? I think it's mostly moms. I don't want to say, you know, but I think it's mostly the moms who want to be cool moms, you know? They just want to be cool. And you know, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, but when it comes to raising our kids for Jesus Christ and to getting them passionate about the cause of Christ, parents, we need to be parents. You got to be parents to your kid if you want to help them. You see, every decision you make about your relationship with God and your commitment to church, you are sending your young person a message. You're sending your young person a message. So what kind of message do we want to send our young people? What kind of message? Every time you give church the back seat to your social life, every time you give church you know, the back seat to your laziness, you are sending a message to your young person that church and a relationship with God, it's okay to be forfeited every now and then. It's all right. That's the message that we're sending the next generation. And then we wonder why on earth our teens grow up and they, they fall apart and they fall pregnant and they go to jail and they get all screwed up. Well, geez, what kind of message were they seeing all those years growing up? Were they seeing a message that, you know, every time your niece's dog has a birthday, we can skip Sunday morning church and go down the road? Or were they seeing a message that come hell or high water on Saturday, baby, we're going to church on Sunday morning? What kind of message is our generation seeing? You see, it's time that we stop giving the youth of this generation excuses. That we as, you know, I'm not a parent, but that as parents, we stop giving the youth of this generation excuses. You know, having worked with some youth at Hillsong and now, you know, here as well, I think that you would be really surprised as to maybe, you know, a youth skips a few weeks or whatever and, and I'll call them up. You know, this happened in Australia a few times and you call them up and you say, hey man, where you been? You know, what's been going on? You'd be surprised at how many times their response starts with, well, my parents. Well, my parents were tired and they didn't want to take me to church. Well, my parents said I had to, I had to go to my cousin's birthday who had it on Sunday morning. And my parents and my parents, I think you'd be surprised at how many times your youth use my parents as an excuse for themselves. Let's not be a generation that allows our young people to use an excuse, well, my parents. Let's not do that. Let's, let's let our youth grow up and say, well, my parents took me to church on Sunday morning. Well, my parents, even though I was sick and even though I could barely make it, they said, we're going to go get your healing this morning on Sunday morning. Let's, let's be a generation that, that, that carries our kids, that encourages our kids in the word, that encourages them in their walk with Christ. Don't give your kid excuses. Be their motivator. Be their encourager. Be their helper. And listen, in the midst of helping, it's time that we stop giving the youth the how-to and start giving them the why. Stop giving the how-to, start giving the why. Why we serve God. Why we live righteously. Why we go to church. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The reason most people do not do what they can in life is because they do not have a strong enough why. Why? 
Because they do not have a strong enough why. Like, I think it was his dad who, who said it years ago, I think, and I wrote it down. He who has a strong why can endure any how. He who has a strong enough why can endure any how. It's time that we start imparting the why. Don't just start giving them the how to. Don't just start telling them the rules about following Jesus. Tell them the why. Tell them the why we serve God. The why we go to church. You know, this word, tell them about this word. That this word is filled with stories of people who knew their why. People who knew their why and did extraordinary things for God. They did extraordinary things for God because they knew their why. Amen? Let's give the next generation the why. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. You know, as I was just preparing for this, for this uh, message, I found some really interesting research that applies to what we're talking about tonight. And um, it's really cool you can write it down because it, it really puts some things into perspective for me. And it is this, that over half the world, 6 billion people, 6 billion people, 25 years or younger. That's, I'm, I'm sorry, over half the world, 6 billion people are 25 years or younger. Over half the world, 6 billion people are 25 years or younger. 90% of those who make decisions for Christ do so before the age of 25. 90% do so before the age of 25. After the age of 25, the chance of someone receiving Christ is 1 in 10,000. 1 in 10,000 after 25. After the age of 35, the chance goes up to 1 in 50,000. And after the age of 45, the chances of someone receiving Christ go up to 1 in 250,000. 1 in 250,000 people. You know, these statistics right here show us just how important it is that we are building ministries, that we are building family units that encourage the next generation, that encourage our young people, that encourage them in their, in their salvation, in their relationship with God. Over 90% of them are going to make decisions before the age of 25. We cannot ignore half the world, guys. We cannot ignore half the world. You know what, and I think as a whole today, we are doing a much better job in our youth ministries and in our youth programs that we're doing in outreach stuff for the next generation, you know, maybe more so than we were perhaps uh, when you adults were in youth, you know, maybe youth wasn't necessarily really pushed, maybe, you know, you kind of met with some other teens, maybe you didn't even do that. And, um, but you know, as a whole today, I think around the, around the world, the church at large is doing a much better job at youth ministry and making sure that young people are being discipled. But seeing these statistics just blew my mind, man, how crucial is it that we are reaching the youth of this generation? How crucial is it that we are reaching the youth of this generation? Help them remember now their creator. Because when they do, their future is going to be awesome. Their future is going to be so awesome. It's time that we started a revolution that targets the spiritual condition of this generation. That targets the spiritual condition of the youth of this generation. You know, it was Thomas Jefferson that said that every generation needs a revolution. Every generation needs a revolution. And you know, bless God, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to them. And if you want to help me, you can give it to them too. You can give your young person the revolution that they need. You can encourage them. You can encourage them to, to get started, to carry the revolution, to carry the cause of Christ into everything that they're going to put their feet towards. Amen? Every generation needs a revolution. But before we start um, the revolution, there are a couple keys that we need to get into our spirit about what it's going to take to recalibrate ourselves, the generation of young people in today's society. So if you're taking notes, here we go. 
Get ready, keep up. Three keys we're going to talk about tonight. Three keys to carrying the revolution. Three keys to carrying the revolution. Number one, the first thing that it's going to take is it's going to take a passion for the cause of Christ. It is going to take a passion for the cause of Christ. Now, when you got your word in your hand, turn with me to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 37. I'll read it out loud and you can follow along. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. This is Jesus talking. That I should bear witness to the truth. That I should bear witness to the truth. You know, Christ did not say that for this cause I was born, that I should tell the truth. Or that I should preach the truth. He said, for this cause, I will bear witness to the truth. Bear witness. That I have come, that my actions and everything I do will bear witness to the truth. Not just my words, not just my preaching, but every single part of me is going to scream the truth. I will bear witness to the truth. I'm not just going to say it to you. I'm going to bear witness to you. I'm going to bear witness the truth. Are we passionate like that? Check your spirit right now. Are we passionate like that? That we have come to bear the truth. That we will bear the truth of the cause of Christ. Are we passionate? Are we a, are we a generation that will bear the witness of the cause of Christ? You better get some passion, I'm telling you. You better get some passion if you want to see a revolution take place. If you want to see a revolution in your young people, parents, you better get some passion. You better bear witness to the truth. Because they're not going to bear witness unless they see you bear witness. Amen? You know, I remember I was, you know, it was relatively early in the day in 2001, September the 11th. I remember exactly where I was. I was in a U.S. history class. And when we got the news, um, the principal came in and he, and he told us about the attacks on the towers. I, I remember exactly where I was. If I was in the room, I could show you where I was sitting. And we got told the news about the attacks. And we were released from school early that day. And I went home and I turned on the TV. And I watched replay after replay after replay of those planes hitting the buildings, as I'm sure you did as well. They just kept playing it over and over and over. And I watched this, and you know what? It saddens me to say that, you know what? It really took a minute for it to sink in that, man, this is real. That this is real because it was kind of hard with, with everything that we see today in movies and media and stuff like that. It was hard to look at this and say, this is not a movie. You know, this is not even happening in the Middle East. This is right in the heart of where we are. This is right in the heart of where we are. This is real. And after thinking about it, after thinking about the whole thing for a little bit, it just blew my mind that here, here this group of people is, and they were willing to die for a cause that they believed in. They were willing to sacrifice themselves for a cause. Now, obviously, we know here tonight that that cause was false. It is not truth. The cause that they proclaim to be sacrificing themselves for was not truth. It is not a, it's not a true cause. But how much more should we show the same passion? And note, I said passion, not action. How much more should we show the same passion for a cause that we know to be truth and righteous? How much more should we show passion for a cause that we know to be truth and righteous? As Christians, I hope you know, if you haven't been told yet, that we are fighting the greatest cause known to humanity. We're fighting the greatest cause, the evangelization of the earth before the second coming of Christ. It's the greatest cause known to man. And for this cause, we should passionately put all that we have into what we're doing for the kingdom. We should passionately put everything we have into what we're doing for the kingdom. You know, I believe that the events of September the 11th were a result 
of misdirected passion. Misdirected passion. It demonstrated to the world the lengths to which some would go for what they believed to be true. Their actions clearly demonstrated their commitment to their cause. Clearly demonstrated their commitment to their cause. And we as Christians, our actions will either demonstrate or deny the cause that we live for. Our actions will either demonstrate the cause that we live for or they will deny it. So what are our actions demonstrating? Are they, are they, are they going to demonstrate our cause or are they going to deny our cause? Are we going to choose to be a passionate people? It's going to take passion for the cause of Christ. That was number one. Number two. Number two, to carry the revolution, it's going to take a passion for the lost. A passion for the lost. You know, I found a really cool quote here. And um, it's about Martin Luther King Jr. And um, it's just, it's, it's kind of, you know, wordy. So just follow along. It says that this, it says, History will have to record that the greatest tragedy of this period of social transition was not the ventriloquic words and the violent acts of the bad people but the appalling silence and indifference of the good people. Our generation will have to repent not only for the words and actions of the children of darkness, but also for the fears and apathy of the children of light. Isn't that, isn't that a cool quote? That history is not just going to record the wrongdoings, but also the fact that, man, it's going to record the people who knew the truth and did nothing. And did absolutely nothing. We have the truth. How could you do nothing? Let's not be an apathetic generation. Let's be active. Pastor spoke just a few weeks ago on Sunday morning about being apathetic. Let's not be a generation that's apathetic, that just has this who cares, you know, kind of attitude. Like, I see it all going on, but, you know, it's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort to make a difference. Let's not be a generation that does that. I encourage you. Let's be a generation that takes up arms, that goes after what we know is to be right, what we know to be right, that lives righteously. For all to see, you know, I think that, you know, like, it's sad Christians all over the United States can sit at home in their lazy boy chairs and in groups and talk about politics and how it's all going down the drain, how, man, there's nothing we can do. Well, flip and rise up, rise up, stand together, make a difference. Like, I'm just saying, it is not too hard. If we just decide in our hearts to rise up, to start a revolution, to be recalibrated for the cause of Christ, we can see amazing things take place. Don't just sit around in your apathy and just, and just talk with your neighbor about, you know what, isn't this, isn't this sad, man? World's just going down the toilet and here we are, man. This is just sad. I guess I'm just along for the ride. Don't live a life like that. Do not live a life like that. I encourage young people, you know, as well, I encourage them to build authentic relationships with unchurched friends. I encourage that. If you want to know what I'm preaching to your young people and youth on Wednesday nights, I'm telling them, build authentic relationships with unchurched friends. Seriously, build a meaningful relationship with them with the intent of sharing the word. With the intent of sharing the word and building them up in Christ. It's important that our youth have friends that are not saved. Otherwise, we will be, we're, we're going to be slacking on the job. It's important that they have friends that aren't saved. Jesus told us, go and make disciples. How are you going to go make disciples if you're only hanging out with disciples? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? I encourage your young person, it's alright, have friends that are unchurched, it's okay. But I've said it before, that it's important to have unchurched friends and to love and hang out with them while maintaining the standard for what you know to be truth and righteousness. While maintaining the standard, don't, don't cut me off too early. It's, it's important for them to get out and to build relationships with people who aren't in church while maintaining what they know to be truth and righteousness. Amen? Let them be the influencer, not the influenced. 
Be the influencer, guys, not the influenced. You know, I'm convinced that there is nothing that can set a young person on fire like winning their friend for Christ. There's absolutely nothing in this world that can set a young person on fire like winning one of their friends to Jesus. I, I could sit here and preach to them all day long. We could call in the best. We could call in the John Beers. We could call in the great youth pastors from around the world and have them preach to your young people. But I'm here to tell you, there is nothing that's going to get them on fire like when they win their first friend to Christ. Man, a young person does that and they are just jazzed up, psyched up, ready to go. And there's going to be nothing. The gates of hell can't stand in their way because they've been a part of a transition that's taken place. They've been a part of one of their friends transitioning. And that's just so awesome. And they get, they get excited about it and something just rises up in them that they have made a difference. Just one person, but man, they've made a difference. Once they get that first friend saved, man, that's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. They're going to be so full of faith, so on fire. They're going to be ready to carry the revolution. Parents, support your young person. Get behind them. Get behind them with their, with their unchurched friends. Encourage them. Set an example for them. Set an example for them. You know, do you have unchurched friends? Are, are you doing what you can to reach your unchurched friends so that your kids can look at you and say, man, my mom and dad are really going after it and I want to go after it too like they are. Are you setting that example? I encourage you. It's all right. Uh, you know, it's just, it's kind of coming back around. I understand that many of you parents, you grew up in the, in the you know, bless God, we're only going to hang out with people in church. We're not going to associate with any of those heathen people out there. And that's how you grew up. And, and, that, and, and, that's, and there's truth behind that. There's truth to having strength and having people encourage you. But we will never see a revolution take place. We will never see more souls into the kingdom of God unless we have unchurched friends. There's nothing wrong with it. So if, you, if, you, if there's like this wall inside and you're like freaking out and you like don't really know, just break it down. Break it down. There's nothing wrong with it. Maintain your righteousness. Maintain what you know to be truth. And have your unchurched friends. It's cool. I got them. They're all right. They don't influence me. But I got them, and I'm trying to make a difference. If you, if you have your word, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And we're not going to necessarily read it, but you can look at the story as I talk about it. Mark chapter 1, verse 40 and 45, or 40 through 45, excuse me. It tells the story of Jesus and him cleansing a leper. <clears throat> And so here he is, and Jesus, you know, he's doing all these miracles, and, and this leper comes to him, and he cleanses him. And it's awesome. But he says to him, he says, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way and show yourself to the priest. See that you say nothing to anyone. However, the leper went out and proclaimed it freely, and spread the matter so much that Jesus could no longer enter the city, like, without being noticed. He could no longer openly enter the city. And, I th- and at first you think of that story, and you're like, man, what a jerk. What a, that leper's a jerk, man. Here Jesus is, he heals you. You've probably been, you know, you had leprosy for God knows how many years. And here Jesus is, he healed you. And the only thing he told you to do was not say anything. And you just go, you know, after getting your healing, you immediately disobey. And then you go out and you spread the word. What a jerk. And like, that's how a lot of people look at the story. But again, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus healed a deaf mute. And he said to him, say nothing. But the more he commanded it, the more the man proclaimed it. What jerks. Man. I, and, and at first you kind of think, what was Jesus thinking? Obviously he probably knew that this was like huge news. This is going to get around. These guys are going to keep it silent for a while. Why did he tell him to be quiet? And the fact is that simply this. You see, just like the leper and the mute who encountered Jesus and were healed, if our young people encountered Jesus Christ genuinely, 
there's going to be nothing that is going to stop them from telling other people about it. There's going to be nothing that can stop them from telling of the amazing, awesome things that God has done in their life. And, 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 you know, Jesus wasn't saying necessarily to protect himself, but I believe that the Lord just told him that because they knew in their spirit that, man, this, this is crazy. And that even though the word of the Lord came to him and said, do not speak, that they know that they had to proclaim the good news. They had to proclaim what Jesus had done in their lives. And when Jesus moves on our young people, they're going to have to proclaim it. They're going to have to proclaim the word of the Lord. You know, Jesus said to us, you know, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, so freely give. Be passionate about reaching the lost. Amen. We got to be passionate about reaching the lost. Because when God does something amazing in our life, we got to tell somebody about it. We got to tell somebody. Number three. Number three, carrying the revolution. You must be a servant. You must be a servant. You know, Jesus tells us a couple reasons in the word as to why he came. As to why he came on the earth. And you know, obviously, you know, probably the first thing people think of is that Christ came to seek and save the lost. That's what he came to do. And that is what he did. Praise God. He came to seek and save the lost. But we can find another reason in Matthew 20, verse 28, when he said this. For this reason, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give my life as a ransom for many. Christ came to seek and save the lost. But he says right here, I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came to serve our King, our Lord, our King. He's a King and He came to serve. How much more should we have an attitude and a heart to serve? You know, I tell our young people all the time, you know, and they could probably attest to this, that I tell them all the time, man, what a sad day it would be in the later, in the, you know, the latter years of life to wake up and realize that you have lived life entirely for yourself. What a sad day that would be. To wake up and, and look back and say, I have not made a difference anywhere. That I have lived life entirely for myself. That's such a sad thought. To think about that, that is such a sad thought. Let's not let that happen to us. Let's choose to live our lives for others. Amen? Let's live our lives for other people. Let's live our lives for the glory of God and for taking His kingdom forward. Let's not, let's not wake up one day and say, man, shoot, I've, I've done nothing. I've done nothing. I've lived life entirely for myself and where am I now? Like, am I any further down the road because I was selfish and because I wasn't willing to step out and to help others? Am I any further? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm still young, but I know that I'm not going to live like that. I know that I'm not going to wake up one day and say, man, I live for myself because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to live my life for other people. I'm going to live my life for the greater good, for the cause of Christ. Amen. Are you going to live your life that way? You know, youth ministry is not about what happens on stage. A lot of people think that, um, you know, like... Man, my kid's screwed up. I'm going to send him to youth, you know, and that's going to fix everything. It's not going to fix everything. I know I'm cool, and I know I got a lot to say, but that's not going to fix everything. It's not going to fix, because youth ministry is not about necessarily what happens on stage. In fact, the most effective ministry takes place off the platform. The most effective ministry takes place off the platform. You know what happens when you're just talking to kids in a group of people, you know, after church? When you're just out there and you're talking about, you know, whatever, you know, sports, or you're talking about, you know, something you saw on TV or something, it's just, that could be the most effective ministry that takes place, you know, or hanging at the mall or going to their sporting events like I've talked about before. That can be the most effective ministry that young person receives. Young people will remember those times way more than any sermon I ever preached to them. You know, they might receive some good stuff, maybe some key points that I've said that really, you know, kind of stuck in there. But even more than that, man, 
the greatest ministry is when you just spend time. We need to spend time with young people. You know, once I heard another youth pastor say, he who spends the most time wins. He who spends the most time wins. Well, can I change that a little bit? He who serves the most wins. He who serves the most wins. Spending time with young people. And listen, that can be, you know, that can be like myself, like leaders with youth. Spending time could be parents with youth. It could be even youth with youth. But spending time with young people and serving is the key to seeing the next revolution take place. That's the key to seeing the next revolution take place, is spending time with young people and serving. He who serves the most wins. And listen, serving God isn't like, well, you know what, I guess I'm going to have to take one for the team here. You know, like this, you know, this isn't really very glamorous, but I'll take one for the team. Don't have that kind of attitude. Psalm 100 tells us, serve the Lord with what? With gladness. Serve the Lord with gladness. It's fun. God, God delights in our serving Him. God delights when we take time out of our schedules to hang out, you know, with young people or to hang out with uh, maybe, maybe a coworker you have and impart some things into their life. Now, they might not come to church, but you can take rest in the fact that, man, the greatest ministry can take place outside of church. The greatest ministry can take place outside of church. Serving doesn't have to be boring. doesn't have to be exhausting. It's meant to be fun because we aren't doing it for ourselves. We serve unto who? We serve unto God. We serve unto the Lord. We don't serve ourselves. We don't serve another man. We serve unto God. We serve unto God. Let everything we do be unto God. Let's be a generation that could say, you know what? We're not out for ourselves. We're not going to live lives for ourselves. But that we realize, you know, we, we have touched the heart of God. We're going to revolutionize our world. We're going to revolutionize it. We're going to take up the cause of Christ. Let's be a generation that says that. Amen? Amen. The next revolution... It's going to take a passion for the cause of Christ. It's going to take a passion for the lost. And it's going to take willingness to serve. Willingness to serve. And as I close right now, I want to read this quote to you. And you can close your Bibles. And if you would, you can stand up. And and the band, you guys can come back on stage. That'd be awesome. And um, I just want to read this quote to you. I thought it was pretty pretty cool. And this is, it's an anonymous quote. So, you know, we don't necessarily, necessarily know who said it, but, uh, but the effect that it had as I read it, you know, still the same. It says this, it says, youth is not a period of time. It's a state of mind, a result of the will, a quality of the imagination, a victory of courage over timidity, of the taste for adventure over the love of comfort. A man does not grow old because he's lived a certain number of years. A man grows old when he deserts his ideal. The years may wrinkle the skin, but deserting his ideal wrinkles the soul. Deserting his ideal wrinkles the soul. Never desert the cause of Christ. Don't desert the cause of Christ. Get ready for the next revolution. Man, we're going to see some awesome things happen. You know what? We're talking about, you know, reaching the next generation and pouring into youth. You know what? Just like it said like there, youth is not necessarily an age. It's just a passion. It's just a passion that young people have, that adults have somehow lost along the way. It's, it's a passion to be, to be courageous and to be adventurous and to go out and do crazy things. Just like Pastor spoke the other week about, about young people going to war and why do they ask such young kids to go to war. It's because they're just passionate. You know, maybe they're just a little bit crazy and stupid too, but they're just passionate. But, you know, being a little bit crazy for God isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Let's be passionate. And as passionate people, we can all be youth. We can all be youth. But we need to never desert our ideal, never desert the cause of Christ. It's the cause of Christ that makes me get up every morning. 
It's the cause of Christ that, that drags me, you know, in here to work, obviously. It's what I've chosen to do with my life. It's for the cause of Christ. Do you wake up every morning for the cause of Christ? Because if you don't, then I bet waking up is pretty hard. Because if you're just waking up for your 9 to 5 job, I bet it's pretty hard. I bet it's not too much fun. If you've, been doing, if you've been doing it for years, then yeah, I bet you're tired. But you're tired and you're worn. And you need to be refueled and you need to be re-energized. You need to get your passion back. But if you wake up every morning for the cause of Christ, it's going to be a great day. The sun's going to be shining every day. If you wake up for the cause of Christ, amen? Amen. Well, I know that most of the youth are right here, but if you're next to a young person, why don't you lay your hands on them right now? Because we're just going to pray and we're, gonna, we're just going to speak a blessing over our young people right now. Yeah, and this goes, you know, from the ages of, you know, like I said, like 25 and down. If you're next to a person like that, why don't you just place your hand on them? And we're going to believe together. And as I pray out loud, man, you pray for that young person right next to him. You pray that God does amazing things. You pray that they never lose their passion. You pray that they wake up every day for the cause of Christ, that they're energized, that they're refueled, that they're not growing weary, but that they're going to stand up, that they're going to get ready for the revolution, that they're going to be ready to be recalibrated to reach their schools, to reach their communities, to reach their families, and to reach their nation. That now is the time. Now is the time. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to pray right now and you just speak a word over that young person. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just come before you now. We are so thankful for your many blessings right now, God. But as, as we've heard your word tonight and as we're just, uh, just stirred and as we just become more passionate to receive from your Holy Spirit right now, I pray for a double anointing to hit our young people. I pray for a double anointing to hit the next generation that when they wake up in the morning, God, they're not going to be tired. They're not going to be weary, but they're going to wake up for the cause of Christ, that they're going to be passionate, that they're going to be so energized to reach their friends, God, that there's going to be nothing that can stand in their way. The gates of hell are going to tremble every morning our, our young people wake up. God, I just pray for a blessing to hit them right now. I pray for just divine, just courage to, to be placed over each and every one of their lives. God, that they would wake up, that they would not be scared, that they would not be timid, but that they would wake up bold, ready to go for it, ready to do everything they can to take the kingdom of God forward. Right now, God, we don't take it for granted. We, we know that we have not stopped here, but that there are generations to come. There are generations to come way after us, God. And I pray that we do not be, we, I pray that we are not a generation that just wants to grab people and drag them to where we are. But we're going to be a generation that grabs the next and slings them forward. That we're going to sling them forward into their destiny. That we're going to encourage them. That we're going to build them up. That we're going to lift them up. That we're not going to be uh, just an apathetic generation. That we're not just going to stand by and watch the darkness take over, that we're not just going to stand by and watch bad things happen, that we're going to be a generation that rises up, that commits to the cause of Christ, that moves forward, takes the kingdom of God forward, and we're going to make a difference in this earth. We're going to revolutionize everything that we've ever known. We're going to revolutionize everything that we have ever known. I speak a word over these young people, God. I pray that your spirit would be with them. God, God school is hard, we know. School is hard. It's hard out there, God. I'm not... I'm not saying that it's not, but Lord, with your spirit, they can do anything. They can do anything. God, where you are, there is freedom. There is freedom where you are. The next generation can experience freedom when they walk with you. They do not have to be bound by any addictions, any curse. They can be free when they live a life for the cause of Christ. God, I speak a blessing. I speak favor over every young person in this place tonight. 
I thank you for their commitment, God. They're showing their commitment. They're here tonight, aren't they, Lord? They're here tonight. They're showing their commitment to the house of God. I pray that you would favor them for it. That your spirit would be all over them, God. That from the minute they wake up to the minute they lay down, that your spirit's going to be all over them. That you're going to give them divine God encounters throughout their day. That they're going to walk up. That that evangelization is going to be made so easy. It's going to be made so easy. Because as they live a life for the cause of Christ, they're not going to have to say that much. People are just going to get it by watching them. Evangelization is going to be so easy. God, let them rise up. Give them a spirit that says, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to rise up. And you know what? As much as we hope our parents would encourage, give them a spirit that says, even if my parents don't, I'm going to rise up. Even if my parents don't, I'm going to rise up. I'm going to get to church. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to live for righteous causes. I'm going to rise up. Give them that spirit, Lord. God, I break timidity. I break fear over every young person here. In the name of Jesus Christ. God, it's like, it's like a generation that lives for you right now. Somehow fear just wraps over them. Somehow fear just wraps over their entire life. When they go to school, it's like fear just grips them. But God, no, not anymore. Not anymore. They're going to walk into school. They're going to be bold. They're going to be free. They're going to be so free. No fear is going gonna, is gonna to wrap themselves over those who live for the cause of Christ. God, I speak a word. I speak a blessing. In your name we pray, God. God, seal it in our hearts tonight, Lord. Seal it in our hearts. We give you praise and glory for what you've done, God. But we know that the best days are ahead. That the best days are ahead. For every single person in this room, the best is yet to come. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. And now, young people right now, why don't you just turn around? Why don't you lay a hand on the nearest adult next to you? And if you've got to move, I know you're kind of all sitting here, but seriously, if you've got to move, you can move. Why don't you lay your hands on the adults right now? Because you know what, young people, it's not just us doing it by ourselves, but you know what, we need encouragement as well. And we need to be lifted up sometime. And we're not going to necessarily make it all the time on our own, but it's going to be the adults that are going to have to rise up and help us. So right now, young person, you begin to pray for that adult as I pray out loud. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we thank you so much for the godly parents that you've given us. For every person who's in here tonight, obviously, feels the commitment towards your house, God. And they're raising their kids up the best they know how, Father. So we speak a blessing over them. We thank you for their faithfulness, God. We thank you for their commitment. And we thank you that as the years go on, that they're going to continue to be committed to your house and raising up a next generation to follow you. That they're going to they're be all over the cause of Christ themselves that they're just going to pass it along. That it's not just going to be one or two people in family units anymore that live for Jesus. It's going to be in the entire family. It's going to be the entire family raising up, committing to the cause of Christ and moving forward, taking ground for the kingdom. So right now, God, I thank you. I thank you that, that in years past, before most of us were born, that these adults, that they were setting aside time to be with you, that they were planning that when I have a family, we're going to be committed to the house of God. I thank you that you gave parents and adults to us like that that are going to encourage us but you know what for those who are tired and weary for those who have lost passion tonight is the night to get your passion back tonight is the night to be refueled so God I just speak a double portion over them as well while we're giving them out Lord I speak a double portion over them as well that you would do amazing things that they would regain their passion that, that waking up would not be God here comes my 9 to 5 job 
but it would be, Lord God, here comes the job that you have favored me with. I'm going to make a difference in this place. Our days will not be lived apathetically anymore. But our days are going to be lived passionately from here on out. God, I thank you for the generations represented here tonight. And I just pray that as our adults commit to you, that there's going to be such awesome things passed down to our next generation. That the next generation is going to say, man, you know what? I received a lot for myself, but man, I received so much from those who imparted into my life. I speak a blessing in the name of Jesus right now. And God, we just thank you for what you've done here tonight in this place. We thank you that your word was life to us, God. We thank you that it stands forever. That your word stands forever, Lord. It stands in our hearts. It's sealed there. And then as we leave here, God, you know what? We don't have to be timid anymore. We're going to be so passionate to serve you. We're going to be so pumped to wake up every day and make a difference. So pumped to have a passion for the cause of Christ. So pumped to have a passion for the lost. And so pumped to have a willingness to serve. And we thank you for it tonight, God. We thank you for your word to our hearts. And we give you everything that we are. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. I hope that you were encouraged tonight. I hope that, that you really received something. Like I said, man, when you come to the house of God expectant, He's going to move. Because that's, that's, that's the nature of our God. That's what He does. He moves on faith. He moves on expectancy. That's, that's how it works. It's kind of like, like an equation. Your faith and your expectancy equals God moving. But when you come into the house of God with that entertaining kind of attitude, God's not going to move. God's not going to move for you. But the, the expectancy, man, God's going to do awesome stuff. Amen? Amen. Let's be ready for the next revolution and let's encourage our young people around it. Amen. God bless.